My name is Ben Jimmy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Elevated Conversations podcast. Previously, these conversations were held amongst myself, colleagues, and clients. But now, I'm letting you in in the hopes of inspiring new perspective and elevating thoughts. Let's get into it. You are welcome to the Elevated Conversation podcast. I am beyond excited for my guest tonight or today. It is going to be a very uh, fascinating episode of this conversation because I also have a fellow storyteller uh, by the name of Gerald DuBose. Um, Gerald DuBose is the co-founder of New Wealth Order. New Wealth Order specializes in professional development and business coaching. Um, he's also the author of the book Success Formula, and he hosts a very successful, highly anticipated uh, workshop series called Glory in the Storm. So I see all of that to say that our path is pretty much the same, but what is gonna be fascinating in this conversation are storytellers um, we wanted to share our perspective with our coaching clients, and we want to talk about recurring questions that we've been having. So you're going to have very, you're going to have a very wonderful time today. So the way it's going to work is that I'm going to be asking Gerald, what are the top questions your clients often would ask you? And I'm going to be weighing in on my perspective, and we'll do the same. We'll alternate those uh, those questions. Um, so why don't we get by the way of introduction, uh, Gerald, you're welcome. If you can kind of start us off with an introduction, let us know uh, your story and how you got into the world of story coaching. All right. Well, it, it's great to be here with you, Brother Binga. Uh, I always call you my brother, I, I think almost since the first day we met. So, <laughs> you know, fellow kindred spirits. All right. So. Uh, my story basically started uh, back in the year 2000. Yeah, back in the year 2000, I started my foray in, it was the last job I ever worked. And I just remember getting the words that changed my life. You know, I was working, I was a marketing director for a, a small uh, construction home remodeling company. And I worked my way up. And at that time, I felt like I was positioned, you know, to really go on and do some phenomenal things there. But uh, there were three owners of the company. One I loved, one I couldn't stand, and one that really didn't matter. On December 26, 2000, I'll give you one guess which one called me. <laughs> so he kind of gave me a call and he asked me why they essentially paid me $6,000 in bonus money, uh, you know, or override. Uh, for those that don't know what override is, override is a percentage that they give executives or top salespeople um, of the business that a company does. So it's a small percentage that you get on, on the revenue that you generate for the company. And I said, well, you uh, pay me that money because when you're in bed sleeping, I'm the one opening your doors. You paid me that money because when you decide to roll over and get out of bed and 
called the office. I'm able to tell you what's going on in Chicago, New York, uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Indiana, Maryland, Virginia, Omaha, Nebraska, Indianapolis. Six of those you didn't have before I sat my behind in this chair to be your marketing director. I said, you paid me that money because last year as a company, as a company, you all generated $1 million in revenue. Last month alone, we generated $4 million and we collected $2.9 million. Are there any other questions? And he said the words that made me an entrepreneur. He said, Cheryl, I'll see you make $100,000 working here. I'll see you make $150,000 working here, but I don't care how much money you make me. I'll never see you make $200,000 working here. If I didn't pick up that phone call, I had to be an idiot. So immediately before I could even think, the words came out of my mouth, well, no problem. As of Monday, find yourself a new marketing director. <laughs> he said, you can't quit. He said, we have a contract. I said, well, if you're asking me to sign a new contract, I'm not going to do that. And if I can make you $27 million in a year, I can make me one, net 35% of that, take home 50% of that, and never have to answer to an idiot like you again in my life. Thank you for releasing me to my freedom. And that was pretty bold because I didn't have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> but I just knew that you couldn't get someone like that to see your value if they don't already see it. That in that place, I had outgrown my time. So um, I, January of 2001, I started my first company. And wow. that has been knock on wood, almost 20 years coming up in the next month. And it went from one company then to eight companies now. So that's when I realized how powerful the story was, not because I quit the job, but because of immediately after quitting, I called everybody in the company, every manager, every sales manager and said, I'm leaving. You know, this is who you contact afterwards. It's been great working with you all. And it created an uproar, Binga, an wow. uproar. And 14 people said, where are you going? I said, I don't know. I'm going to start something. They said, well, if you're going, we're going. Whoa. And I didn't ask anybody. It wasn't like I called them and said, hey, you guys want to come work with me? No, it, it was like, I'm leaving. Uh, it's been great working with you all. And they were like, no, wherever you go, we go. Wow. So when I started my company in January 2001, I had 14 people in tow. And they were betting on a 26-year-old kid from Northeast D.C. with a high school diploma. Wow. So the power of story is the, what people tell themselves about you, I will say. It, it, that, that's what your brand is. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not around. And to them, I obviously represented something that gave them the aspiration to be the best version of themselves. And for that, I'm ever grateful. And I look back at if I stayed in that job, I would have never been able to do some of the things I'm doing now. And I even look at the fact of when they say, you know, whenever you say the words, I am, God is present because that's calling God forth. And that man, and I listened to what he said, my ego back then was like, I can't believe this man is telling me why am I paying you $6,000? But the words I am are there. So God was saying to me, 
why am I only giving you $6,000 if you're generating $4 million? Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, that story reminds me of, it, it definitely sounds and appears like a Hollywood movie. The one that comes to mind is Jack McGuire. <laughs> and ultimately, I remember vividly when he stands in, in the middle of the workstation and said, What's coming? and nobody shows up. Well, in your case, you have 14 people put up their hands and said, We'll go with you. Uh, that, that's amazing. You know, I, I think your story is, is such a timely one for this current crisis and pandemic and, and economic crisis. Um, where a lot of people are going through some form of financial or professional entrepreneurial crisis. We're seeing businesses close, file bankruptcy in record numbers. We're seeing jobs uh, being completely wiped out. And what I'm saying is that this might be an opportunity to start a new chapter of your story. As entrepreneurs, we know that the greater the challenges, the greater the opportunity, but it, it would require we pivot and we change our perspective. That said, why don't we go into your top number one question when it comes to storytelling that people often would ask you and say, this is my question. What is that question for you? Ironically, one of the first questions people usually come up with, and I'm sure you get this a lot, they will come to me, they, they come to me and they say, well, you know, I really don't feel like, um, you, you know, I, I hear you talking about this story stuff and why it's so great, but I don't feel like I have a story worth telling. Mm. So my response to that usually is, is if you've lived life, you have stories. If you've lived life and you've been Obviously, if you're here today, you've been through some stuff in your 20 years, in your 30 years, in your 40 years that got you here today to this point. And it's something that you went through that you never thought you would make it through. Something that you went through that you never thought you were equipped to be able to handle, but yet you're standing here today. And that's the story somebody needs to be able to make it to their tomorrow. And people are like, oh, wow, I never thought about it that way. I'm like, yes, uh, our hurts, I personally believe, our hurts, our challenges, they're not for us. They're for us to be able to go through so that we can help somebody else know that they can make it through. And if you start to come from that perspective, realizing that you are the uh, medicine for someone's headache, that you are the cure for someone's heartache, that they know that they are not alone and you stop coming from a personal perspective of, oh, well, it's all about me. It's not all about you. We're all interconnected and your story matters to someone that I could never touch. Mm, mm. Wow. And um, I definitely get that question all the time or that response or question all the time. And one of the things I tell people is, your responsibility is not to evaluate is a story is, is interesting, is audience worthy, it's engaging. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to tell the story. 
And that is all you got to do. Don't worry about how is it going to be received. And I also would also give an example of if you're not in the business of audio production or video editing, a lot of people don't like to listen to themselves on the microphone <laughs> or listen to their own <laughs> voice. If, you, <laughs> if, you, if, if your job is not editing your own audio, the natural reaction is, I don't think that really sounds, I know I'm the one speaking, but I don't think I like the way I sound. It's a very natural reaction. So that is not your job. Your job is to tell that story. Um, yes, I think that's one of the things I say and leave it to the audience to embrace and give interpretation to the story. Another thing I, I also would say is that at the end of the day, we are all telling the same story in different perspectives and experiences. And when people are hearing your story, they are actually hearing their own story in your own voice and in your own experience of that. Because the themes of our stories are universal themes. It could be the theme of love or loss or freedom of healing of discovery. Those themes are universal. So you cannot just say that you don't wanna share your story or there's nothing about your story. If it has a theme, it has an audience. And that is why you must go ahead and tell that story. Um, so let me take this point to kind of tell my own number one question. My own number one question is, I don't know the right story to tell. Uh, the way I describe my audience are multi-talented and conflicted. They have a ton of talent, a ton of opportunities. So they suffer from opportunity paradox and we are all suffering from that with information overload, with all these options that we have. So in this month of barrage of advertisement of make a decision, people don't know what to do. So and when they internalize that is I have several defining moments. I have several chapters of my story, especially those who are seasoned, who have years and breadth of professional experience and all of those chapters are valid. They really don't, the struggle is how do I know which particular one to lean into and to identify as my own story? Um, so I think what I tell them is this. I would say, well, that's a very good question. I think the very first process of that, try to capture those moments, uh, those defining moments. And one of the ways I, I say it is think of your story as a book. There's a chapter of the middle school. There's a chapter of elementary school, high school. You start your first job. You start a company. You got married. You moved overseas. You found faith. You found love. You had to, you know, categorize them in those chapters. Um, I think number one, there's a level of clarity that comes with that, just getting them down. Um, and then now ask yourself, what is the purpose of this story? Am I using it for my job? Am I using it for my career, for my business? Because those chapters will become a story bank that you can now go into, make a deposit or withdraw, and say, I want to use it for this particular outcome. I think that would. Um, I also would say that one of the fascinating things I've found with personal branding or just living life from purpose, which is a very easy way to say that, is ultimately when you have that exercise, because hindsight is 2020 vision, 
you would start seeing that these chapters seemingly disconnected are actually building off each other, creating this overarching signature story um, that is your own signature story for your personal brand. Uh, you might not see it at first, they look disconnected. When you start that process, you see how this connects to that and that connects to that, and it makes a lot of sense. So those are the things I would say in terms of, I have several stories, I don't know which one to tell. What is your own uh, take on that? And what would be your second question? Well, I, I would say my take on that is co somewhat close to what you just said, but I, I always tell people, you know, uh, from pain comes clarity. Pain is when we usually change. So what are some of the worst days of your life? Think of the worst day of your life that you made it to that you made it through what is the worst day you had in love what is the worst day you had in education what is the worst day you had at work what is the worst day you've had um you know uh just personally where you felt like everything was against you and everything went wrong because most of us do not change until we feel pain until something hurts we don't feel like we need to change because everything's good so we start from there. If you want a story worth telling, start from the places where you were hurt the most, because usually the worst days of your life are what created the best days of your life, if you learn the lesson. So I would generally say, go to the places that hurt the most. You want to know what story to start with? Where does it hurt the most? What is that thing that has shaped you into the person that you are today. And we start there because that's your personal story because everybody's been through some pain. And that's why that's easy for people to connect to. So you don't have to worry about, hey, is this story gonna connect to people? If you start talking about hurt, loss, heartache, automatically, at least 20% of the audience is going through it with you. So. I always say start where you hurt the most. And people usually say, wow, they don't want to go there. They're like, oh man, you're asking me to pick off a scab. I sure am. <laughs> because if you want to connect, you have to go to the places that connect you to people. Like you say, what are the common threads? We're all on a personal journey and somebody's stuck in that place right now. And if you don't share it, they may not make it. You have a responsibility to share it, as you said before. So um, that's what I would tell people. And the next question people usually will ask me is, all right, I hear you talking about this storytelling stuff because it sounds really in the clouds to people like, oh, storytelling, you story, you story. Uh, how can story help me? And that's when I will usually say, well, story is the actual foundation of everything around you. Your life is a story. It's the story you've made up. It, usually our experiences, and it has been shown that at least 85%, at least 90% of our memories are inaccurate. They are reinterpretations of what we believe happened in that experience. So if you want to know the power of a story, just look at your life. 
everything around you, all your all your values, all your beliefs, all the reasons that you're angry, happy, sad are about stories that you are telling yourself about something. That's the power of story. So how can story help you? Story can help to make you happier. Story can help to make you um, a better person. Story can milk, help, help to make you more strong mentally, more strong emotionally. That's what story can do for you. Because when, when you think about even when, when, when you go into the aspects of what our stories do to us with depression and with anxiety, if you change that narrative for yourself, just how you're interpreting it, just how that interpretation happens, you go from anxiety to excitement because it's doing the same thing in your body. It's just how you're defining it. So how can story help you? It can change everything for you or it can change everything so-called, quote unquote, against you. Hmm. What's your answer uh, to that? I would even add that um, storytelling can be, and it is therapeutic. Uh, it's called narrative therapy. Uh, you know, the fact that we just have the healing that comes a listening here and someone just listen to us express and tell our story. And I think there's some level of transformation and release of negative energy or just pent up energy that comes from that. Um, you know, we are very big on monetization. And so definitely, and, and the way I've been saying it, this, that just makes a lot of sense uh, using some of the cultural, you know, lingua expression and keeping it uh, 100. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I'll say that when, when you tell your story, you make money, period. <laughs> It, it, it's just it's, it's just that when you tell stories, you make money, period. You want to make money, start telling stories. So this is the way I look at it. Um, so I've been getting this a lot in my interactions, particularly with coaches, speakers, authors, consultants. They're like, Benga, my problem is, is not necessarily getting an audience. I can get to an audience. I can do presentation. I can walk the room. But my problem is how do I get their hands up to say, I am your client. I am the person you're looking for. And I tell them that what you're doing very well is called lead conversion. You're getting the people excited. You're getting the people on their feet. I'm sorry, lead generation. Your problem is the lead conversion. So the way I break it down is facts tells, story uh, benefits sells, but story converts. It is the story that does the ultimate conversion. So whether you are an entrepreneur, you're a professional, you're an author, you're a consultant, your work involves working with people, interacting with people, storytelling is the way to create an ultimate influence. Um, and we say monetization with not just parochial and talking about financial, which is awesome, we're also talking about influence. We're also talking about impact and storytelling can allow us to accomplish those things. Uh, so for me, the second question is superpower. 
Um, and, you know, Ben got been talking, giving, listen to you talk about this idea of find your superpower. And everybody's been talking about your superpower, your superpower. Um, I have a lot of talents. Um, I'm multi-talented. How do I know which one of them is my superpower? Uh, and for some people, when they're saying superpower, they're also saying my purpose, uh, my assignment, my why. They're also asking those questions. Why don't we start with a story? The reason why you can identify because you've been running from your own life story. You've been so fascinated with every of your celebrities and public figure stories and autobiographies that you've not necessarily invested that time to look into your own story. That is going to point you to what your superpower is. So you're looking for your superpower, tell your story, find your story, and that will point you to your superpower. Um, another thing I would say to that is, uh, the story will get you there, but in that story, I need you to think about a time when your back is against the financial wall. And what was the natural reaction you had in terms of a skill set? What can I do to come out of it? For some of us, we wait till we get fired from work. Uh, for some of us, we wait till the business almost want to file for bankruptcy or close down or whatever. You don't have to wait for that to happen. What is your natural default reaction when your financial survival is threatened? That is your superpower. And telling your story gets you there. What's your take, Gerald? And um, your question number, um, I believe, two or three. I think All right. Well, uh, the, the what's your superpower thing, I, I would say, uh, you know, just even going back to when you were talking about the whole sales piece, the whole sales triumvirate, uh, you know, in the old school sales, which is where I come from, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, they would say facts tell, benefits compel, stories sell, you know, that it's all about, yeah, facts are great, you know, that's good, you know, facts tell you what is supposed to be going on, because facts are always given to lead someone to the interpretation that you would like them to have. Nobody's going to use facts against themselves. <laughs> so facts tell, benefits compel. So the benefits are all the great little, hey, it's got this new camera and, and, and this is what it can do that it couldn't do before. But the story about it or the story you believe about it is what ultimately drives you to make that new decision to say, you know what? I gotta be first to have this. You know what? I'll stand in line for two days to get this. It's the story, it's the feeling people are telling themselves they will have by having that thing that makes them go. So when coming back to what's your superpower, um, much in that same line, what stories have other people told you about you? That's mm. where I start with people. Mm. You know, what has someone else said? Because your talents, your gifts, your talents are your gifts. Your gifts are not for you. You have them, but if you use them, they're there to help people. So if someone's saying, you know what, you're really great at this thing. And you're like, eh, yeah, something I do. <laughs> you know, and then somebody says, somebody else says, nah, you know, I like really like that. You know, how do you do that? That's when your antennas need to go up because your story is meant to serve others. 
I mean, not your story, but your superpower, your talent, your gift is meant to serve others. It's not for you. I get that you love to sing, but guess what? Nobody's pulling you over for a record contract. So guess what? That is not your superpower. <laughs> that is not your superpower. But that thing that you do, that all your friends and family have always said, oh, you've always been so good at that. And you dismiss as nothing. What's nothing to you is obviously something for those people that keep responding to it. It's obviously something for those people that keep bringing it up to you. So in that case, walk and step away from your own personal ego and your own personal wants and look at how it's helping people because that's what your superpowers are for, are to help and save other people. And then tell that story, as you said before. Now you use the story along with that superpower in order to start to help and serve the other people in the world that have been waiting for you to come to their rescue. Um, awesome. So awesome. Did, did that make a little sense? Absolutely, right on point, a thousand and one percent. So right now, waiting for question number three of your yeah. So so um, question number three would be: What is the number one mistake businesses make? Mm. I get this question all the time, and. <laughs> If there is several, there are several mistakes businesses make. Uh, the, the one I usually start with is that they don't understand their values. Mm. Uh, I, I usually start with that. Um, it, it's, it's either that or not having a process in place. One of those two, that's like one and one A to me. But I always start with values because your values are what drive the company. If sales are down and the values are there and people align with those values, guess what? You'll get through that bad sales cycle. If the values are there and guess what? You just got hit with a terrible loss this quarter. Um, you know, a product went bad and you weren't expecting it. The people will stay because they're attached to those values that attracted them to this business in the first place. So, I would say that the value system that you put in place, and that starts with you, again, the story of who you are, if you are the owner or the executives of this company, your job is to instill the values throughout that organization so that everyone are attached to them. And that's what keeps the motor going, even when things aren't smooth sailing, even when the seas are rough. So I would always start with not having the proper value system in place because most people just start the business and their value is money and that's the wrong value. What about you? What would you say is the number one mistake you see businesses make? Well, the number one mistake kind of, you know, peg it back from what you said about your gift is not for you. Um, for me, what I'm seeing is the way I say it is that lack of opportunities or clients or resources um, it's not the reason why you fail or you die as a business. Um, you fail, you die as a business because you fail to pivot. And you don't, you fail to pivot because you are not listening. Your community, your clients, your market, the way I say it is you got to trust the generosity of the marketplace. It's not really about what you want. It tells you what it wants, but most people do not listen. 
they get so married to their original origin idea and fail to listen when the market is saying, this is what we need now. Um, and I think those who are very successful in business are those who are very um, sensitive and attentive and recognizes when the market is giving them very important data. And so this is the time to pivot. The failure to do that is the number one reason why businesses die. Um, I'm just gonna, I have to do a shameless uh, plug here because they fail to tell their story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I love it, I love it. Hey, I, 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 would, even, I, I would even add this because one of the things I, I tell people a lot is, you know, that your, your aim should be rigid. And when I say your aim should be rigid, again, that goes back to your whole value placement, what this company is all about, what you stand for, that should be rigid, but your approach must be flexible. There's more than one way to get to California. That just, so see, there is more than one way to get to New York City, to get to Nigeria, to get to Italy. There are different modes of transportation. There is not just one way. And like you said, people get married to, well, this is what has worked for us the last 10 years. Well, what got you here won't get you there. It made you through 10 years. Okay, great. So now it's year 11 and everybody's like, okay, we want something new. So if you don't have the ability to adapt or if you are unwilling to adapt, then you will definitely die. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so in terms of my question number three that I get all the time is, Benga, my story is not a positive one. Why should I be telling it? As a matter of fact, I'm doing a whole lot better just kind of dumping this episode of my life in the past and not even worrying or thinking about it. Now you're trying to get me to open a very dangerous episode of my life that I'm not happy with. Um, and they had valid reasons to say so because some of them come with tremendous amount of hurt and crisis and tragedy and pain. Why should I be telling such a story? Give me a reason, a compelling why, why I should tell a story that almost killed me, that I'm alive today because I dodged that bullet. Why should, why should that be something you want me to go back to? And, and of all stories in the world, why would you want me to tell that particular story? You know, that I get all the time. And, and my response to them is, as a matter of fact, that story you do not want to tell is the one you should be telling. That is your superpower. That is your moneymaker. Um, that is your unique signature. That, you should, that is the gift that life has given you. And gift comes, someone said, be careful what you pray for because it comes in different forms and packages. Or answer to prayers come in different packages. Again, I'm not glorifying those whose defining moments are very tragic or traumatic. What I'm saying, it is not about what happened, but what you're doing with what has happened. Another way I say it is a crisis is a terrible thing to waste because opportunity will always masquerade themselves as challenges. Um, so one of the things that you know we do all the time and we tell this workshop when we do our workshops 
is I tell them the story. I ask like, okay, in this room, how many one has loved, has lost a loved one to cancer? Or you know someone who's dealing with cancer? You know, a lot of hands would go up, okay? Then I tell them the stories of nonprofits. One of the ones I, lo I often love to use is Susan G. Komen for the Cure, which is a close to north of $3 billion nonprofit. And what happened? Nancy Jean Brinker, the founder, promised a dying sister, Suzanne, in the dying bed, that she would do everything possible to not let our death with cancer go to waste. Because of that commitment, um, all she had was $200. A vision was born. That vision became Susan G. Komen for the Cure. Today, they have operations in over 100 countries. They have revenues in north of $3 billion. They are the number one source for the fight against breast cancer. Now, because someone took a moment of crisis and turned it around. Um, you know, about 10 years ago, you know, there was the real estate crash and, you know, from some of financial crisis hit the economy. A whole lot of tech companies came out of that. There are billion dollars enterprise today. So you can look at that moment and say, there's nothing good about this. Uh, we know about the story of, you know, the wonderful woman who lost her daughter to uh, a drunk driver. And, and that particular incident gave birth to the nonprofit against driving uh, under the influence of alcohol. And they're doing amazing good in the world. And um, if you look at every bestseller book, that has been on the New York bestseller list for a period of time, there is some element of the author's vulnerability and pain that they were transparent enough to share with the world. I tell my own story. I wasn't proud of telling my story at first. I'm from Nigeria. I had a very close to deportation experience at the Atlanta International Airport. But I told that story in a book called Borderless Voice. Today I received emails from Australia thanking me for sharing that particular story because they find a sense of identity. When I started my coaching practice, it was within my own community, but now it's expanded to the Latino community, you know, to the Asian community, you know, to the Indian community, to all kinds of immigrant communities across the country because there's a commonality and a relatability to my own story of pain. Again, that negative story you don't want to tell is your superpower. And when you tell that story first, there's a perspective that comes with that. There is a healing that comes with that. And also there's a seed of inspiration to your audience that comes with that. They now give themselves permission to overcome their own fears and their own pain. And collectively you elevate. What is your own take, uh, Gerald? Uh, I, would, I would stand on your shoulders with a lot of what you said. I would say, like I said before, that's where I always tell people to start at. Light can only come from darkness. Mm. Light can't come from light. What are you talking about? If there's all light outside, if you turn on your lights, guess what? Nobody sees you. It's a light out there. So the fact that if you are looking 
to really uncover something about yourself, if you're really looking to change your situation, you have to look at the things that brought you to here. You know, the only way, and again, and that's why I say it to them all the time, the only way you change is that you get that pain. Why do you think the first time you burn your hands on that stove, you don't touch that hot eye no more? You see that red eye, you say, no, bad, hot. The first time you're a kid, and if, if you're one of those kids that try to put soap in your mouth because you thought it smelled good, after you did it one time, you didn't do it again. You're like, no, you know what? I don't want to do that. So the fact of being vulnerable, the fact of being open, it is the only way to get other people to open up to you. So if you are looking to open up a new path, you cannot begin that from a closed place. Two like signs are always a positive. So if you're willing to go there, guess what? And somebody else sees that light and somebody's like, wow, you know, I'm going through something similar. Or, oh my gosh, my cousin, he or she went through something like this. And all of a sudden you have someone that is now an advocate for you. And Les Brown talks about it all the time. And guess what? Now somebody's going to go tell that story for you. Oh man, I went to this thing. And now your story starts to have that ripple effect from one thing, from one meeting, it now is starting to transcend and create its own energy. And your presence is starting to permeate further. So if you are not willing to go there, then you don't want to go further than where you are. So the question is, do you want to grow or do you want to stay? That's always your choice. So um, that, that is a pretty powerful one. Um, that, that's a great one. I'm, I'm just going to the ones I really get, you know, one that really always trips me out and I laugh at it. It's not funny, but it is funny because you get it so much. I'm just, it, it, it baffles me that it, it's like a question that comes up so much. How do I make more money? I don't even know what you do. I got, <laughs> you know, like, but uh, the first thing I will usually tell them is, Sell more stuff. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna push me into a corner, sell more stuff. But uh, I, I would honestly say, and when we go deeper, they're like, "Well, how do I sell more stuff?" Know who you are. Who are you? Well, uh, I'm such and such. No, not your name. Who are you? Well, I, I don't know what that means. When you figure that out, you'll make way more money than you ever thought you ever could. Wow. Because you will behave differently. People that are confident in who they are, and not just who they are, but who they are becoming, they walk different. They talk different. If you don't like who you are, make a new person up. Because guess what? It's all a story in the first place. Mm -hmm. walk like that person, talk like that person. If you want to be a millionaire, this, this, I, I'm, I'm going to give away something that we usually charge a lot of money for. If you want to be a millionaire, look at, look at something or someone that inspires you, right? Then look at yourself and say, okay, am I willing to change everything about me? 
and ask yourself these questions honestly. Am I willing to stop hanging with the people I hang around right now? Because you're going to need a new circle. Am I willing to go to new places where I may be the only person that looks like me in the room? Am I willing to cut out hanging out and put it into working out on understanding more about myself, more about the things that I'm going after, because you cannot do the same things and expect to increase your income 50 fold. So it's going to take radical change and radical action. Are you willing to do that? And if it's not a million dollars for you, it's whatever it is you're going after. You want a better, you want a better relationship. Okay, cool. Are you willing to change what you do, how you do it, and where you go? All those things change it. Your money, your energy, and your time will dictate to you how your life looks in, in areas that you want to change. A lot of people say they want to change, but they don't put the money. They don't put the energy and the time into that thing. So how do you make more money? Look at where you're spending it first. Look at who you are. Look at what you want. And look at what you are willing to do to get it. You look at those areas, I promise you, you'll make more money. Understand who you are. You can answer that question. You can change your life. So how do I make more money, Brother Binger? Well, the first thing I'll do is I'll give a dollar and I'll say your mission is accomplished. You just made more money with one dollar in your hand. That's the very first thing I did. So we got to be specific, the power of, of being specific, specificity. How much exactly are you trying to make? You know, I just finished a workshop. And I asked, how much are you trying to make in 2021? I can tell you the amount of vocabulary and big words and grammar and eloquence I heard. I'm not asking you in words. I'm asking you in numbers. <laughs> Just tell me. <laughs> I mean, the amount of vocabulary and words and I was hearing it, I was like, and stories and backstories and vision and strategies and reason. I'm mean, asking you none of that. It's a number. It's a numbers answer. How much do you want to make in 2021? I think that would be a good start. Um, and I think then, are you willing to pay the price to, to make it, which is what you eloquently expressed. And look who has it and look at the price they are paying are you willing to pay that price? I think pretty much. Uh, the second thing I would add to that, I think one of the things that really changed my coaching business, as you know, my background, my professional background is nonprofit. And why nonprofit? It's a, it's a highly privileged, elevated calling to change the world. One of the unintended consequences, we fail to realize we're a limited resource. And one of the challenges with that, I call it a nonprofit mindset, is you begin to diminish your own worth and value. And when you start talking about money, it almost seems that it contaminates the purity of your service and your contribution. And I think if you struggle with that, that is what I struggle with. 
you have to change that paradigm. And you have to come to a point where, I guess if you're asking the right question, if you're asking the question, I want to make more money, it definitely means that you're already fighting that paradigm. And, and I think what really changed everything for me for my coaching practice, because think about it, I'm a coach. So what does that mean? One of the things I tell people is this. Um, so imagine if I told you that um, I want to be your coach. Um, and you said, okay, how much is your services? I said, it costs uh, X amount of money, thousands of dollars. Okay, let me go home and think about it and discuss with my partner and get back to you. You called your partner up and I just made this amazing speaker and said, Ned makes a very good coach. I think he has a lot of value to offer. And the partner, okay, sounds good. So how much is it? You know, let's just throw some numbers out. You know, just say $10,000. They said, you mean you're going to give this man $10,000 to talk with you? I said, yes. Well, you can talk with me all day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's the first thing they say. But you can talk with me all day. You don't have to. You don't have to give this man that much money. You can give me a fraction of that, and you talk to me all day all you want. But as I, I, I say that was... So I got into the coaching business and I was doing everything about coaching and I was, you know, creating the perspective and shifting and everything, mindset shift and breakthroughs and all of that. But it didn't quite translate into financial success. Um, that is relative, at least to my level of what I really wanted. And I hired a coach and I made the investment. I think the second thing you really willing to make the investment. So the third thing was, and she really challenged me and she said, what is your money why? What is the overarching why behind that money that you want to make? And the very quick answer, your why is a person. Who is that person? And it is absolutely fine to be yourself. You know, once you start to attach a face to the reason why you want more money, that becomes a fuel that propels you to do whatever it takes legitimately, ethically. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clarify that, okay? <laughs> yeah, to, 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 to make that happen. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, I think those are the things. So you gotta be specific. You gotta be able to invest in yourself. You gotta be able to clarify your why. And once you do that, I, it happens. So for me, question number four, is um, can everyone be an entrepreneur? Is, is this entrepreneurship thing for everyone? Uh, because the, the truth be told, I'm really satisfied or content with my current professional life. I wouldn't mind having more, but I don't really have that, that entrepreneurial drive. I don't think I'm built for that. So is there anything wrong with that? Should, should, I, is, should I try to be an entrepreneur? Can't everyone even be an entrepreneur? So this is why I say it. I say, yes, everyone can be an entrepreneur, but it depends on your definition of what an entrepreneur is. Um, you can be an intra-entrepreneur within a workplace, but you are still entrepreneurial. Um, but I think what the right question you should be asking yourself is how do I build my personal brand? And your personal brand becomes the machinery for your wealth creation. Whether you are within a nine to five, 
whether you're a nonprofit, whether you're in faith, whether you're in business, whether you're in public service, building a personal brand always create wealth. And one of the very simple examples I get is because when it comes to the value chain of value creation of the ecosystem of entrepreneurship and wealth building, you are already participating. It depends on where you sit and where you are. You are either a content or value creator or a content or value consumer. What you want to do is to elevate yourself to become a producer, a creator of value. And your personal brand becomes the auspices of doing that. The one thing you are uniquely wired and created for contribution value to make in this world. So that is number one. So let's take an example. I work at a coffee store. I work in Starbucks as a coffee barista. Should I be thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? Yes. What you want to do is you want to bring your own signature to what you do as a barrister. And you want to elevate your game that in that store, there's no one that delivers value as such as you do. Elevate your expertise to you become a consultant and you have specialized perspective and skill set in the industry of coffee making because you are in the business of coffee making. Where you see in the value chain happens to be a barrister. We want to elevate that to become specialized skills. Now, once you do that, you want to get to a point whereby you're not tying your entire time to make money for you. You want to start consulting for multiple store, coffee stores with your specialized skills as a consultant, where we get to thought leadership, that is you building your brand. You can decide to create your own coffee house or not, but you're not in a place whereby your time is the ultimate avenue you make money. You've been able to find a way to multiply your time and your skills such that that your money, your perspective, your value is not being multiplied without necessarily exchanging your entire time for. Everyone should be able to find a way to do that. And financial freedom, wealth creation starts when you figure out a way to make your money start working for you. It's as simple as that. If you are still the one going to work for your money, that is a problem. You have to figure out a way. Now, how you do it might be different. You may go into real estate. You may open a, a business. You may even do philanthropy. You may do it however you know you have your own genius in doing so. But you got to find a way to make your money work for you. And that is what we define as being an entrepreneur and investor. Perspective for Brother Gerald. Well... I definitely uh, like that perspective. I come at it from a different angle. My perspective would be that if you are talking about being an entrepreneur that runs a business, it's a job that anybody can do, but everybody can't do it. Okay, just because you have a talent or a skill, and this is something that I try to break down to people, just because you're great at a job, 
like for some example, some people are phenomenal, like phenomenal with like landscaping and all that other stuff. I'm not talking about cutting grass, people. I'm talking about actual landscaping, you know, like <laughs> re really shaping shrubs and making it look beautiful and all that stuff. They're great at that. And most people would give them guidance. I know coaches that would tell them right now, oh, go start your own company and you can keep all the money. Blah, blah. Running a business is different than being great at a skill. Because there are some people that have the skill of being great at running a business. They understand the back office stuff. They understand what it's going to take to make sure that profit and loss is right. They understand how, how pricing works. It makes them tick. And then they still have the capacity to perform that skill or trait that you're talking about for that business to help it grow. The challenge is that most people that have been great at one thing um, in that skill, that trait, that arena, that's what they know. And if they go into the business world, all they know is still that skill. So you talk to them about, oh, well, what's your profit and loss? Well, I don't know. I just paid my guys what I thought it was worth and blah, blah, blah. Are you making money? Well, no, there's no money in the bank. I don't understand. We're going, we're, doing, we're getting jobs every day. Uh, yeah, because you don't understand what profit and loss is. You didn't understand how to build it in. You didn't understand any of the other back office stuff that actually makes the business run. So I will say it this way. Again, everybody can be an entrepreneur. Anybody, anybody can be an entrepreneur, but everybody can't do it because the skill that it takes to understand the business stuff, some people are just bad at. They're just bad at it. And I, I'm not the person to tell you to go work on something if you're a two at it. Because if you're a two at it, I don't care how much training you get, how much education, how much practice you do, the best you're going to up level is to a four. And if you're a four as a business owner that doesn't understand profit and loss, that doesn't understand how to put sales procedures together, that doesn't understand how to put standard, standard operating procedure together for the people to be able to do the paperwork for you so that you don't handle the paperwork, guess what? Your business is going to drive you mad and you're going to be miserable and you're going to go back to work for someone anyway. So the first thing I would say is, is that something that you want to take on? I have, I try to give people that dose of reality. Do you want all that stuff? Because running a business, it sounds great. I'm going to start my own company. Okay. Well, who's going to do, do, do you understand how to do the profit and loss? No. Do you have money to pay an account? No, I don't want to pay an account. I want to do payroll myself. Okay. Do you understand what, what taxes should be taken out? What FICA is all this? Oh, well, I didn't think about all that. Okay. So maybe that's not the avenue for you. Now, like you said, I would say that it doesn't mean that you can't attach yourself to a purpose that still allows you to be phenomenal at what you do. You can attach yourself to someone else's business and grow within there and still be able to create, as Binga said, your own personal brand. Because guess what? There are people that go to other companies to recruit people that they know are great at something. So guess what? You can still craft and demand your own market, but you don't have all the headache of payroll. You don't have all the headache of trying to do taxes. You don't have all the headache of all that other stuff. Be great. Understand your lane. Don't get caught up in the hype of everybody telling you, hey, open the business. Hey, you know what? Be a consultant. Okay. 
What you gonna consult on? Well, cause I've been doing this for 30 years, right? Okay, so what you gonna charge? I don't know. What do people charge? I don't know, it's not my industry. Well, I get paid X amount of dollars an hour and I know that they really paying other people X amount of dollars to do it. Okay, so out of that, are you gonna be doing all the work? Well, I, I, I don't know, I need, I need some help, I guess. You know, you guess or you know. See, this is where they get into trouble because they try to run down that road. But like you said, if they just build a personal brand, guess what they could do? You can take that knowledge and get on line right here. Maybe create yourself a vlog. Talk to people about it. Talk to people about stuff in that industry. And guess what? You can make money from that. And you are not out of your lane. You're just talking about the stuff you love and the stuff you do. And you don't have to worry about all that stuff again. YouTube will start to pay you money because people are watching your videos and they want to put advertisement on your video. Facebook will do the same thing. Instagram will do the same thing. And all of a sudden, now you have extra money and you didn't ever go out of your lane. So I think it's important to understand that some of us are great at work because if we're all business owners who's doing the work so that's what i would say and coming down that road leads me to the other question that i get all the time they're like man are you uh what's the difference between a coach and a consultant because i think i want to hire you to uh be a consultant for my company <laughs> you laugh because you know how i am <laughs> <laughs> and I say, you don't have enough money to hire me as a consultant. I don't want another job. Okay, so the way I explain to them the difference is this. Consultants are hired guns. Consultants are paid to come into your company and fix or do a task, a particular thing. You hire a marketing consultant, they're coming in there to fix a marketing program or to run a campaign for you. You will either give them your staff to help them fulfill that contract, or you will pay them to allow them to bring in their own specialty people so that they can fulfill said task. They will be there for X amount of time, get it done, and they're gone. Coaches, I'm not touching a thing. I'm going to talk to you about what it is that you're, what, what, what outcomes you're looking for. I'm going to talk to you about um, what your ideas are that you would like to happen. And then I'm going to allow you to come up with your own answers. I'm going to help you find your own truth, your own way. And then we're going to strategize together about how to take that thing from inside of your head and put it into the material world here to help you manifest what that thing is you're going to see. And you're going to do that work. And I'm going to call, I'm going to check on you, I'm going to stretch you, I'm going to push you beyond where you feel you can go because you will not push yourself beyond where you feel you can go. That's what you're paying me for. To make you, to help you do the things you thought you could never do yourself. That's what coaches do. We don't get on the field to make a tackle. Has Bill Belichick ever made a tackle? How many touchdowns has Bill Belichick scored in the NFL? None. But what he's helped his team do is win. And that's what we do. We're there to help you win. Help you understand that there's more in you than you think you have. And that the answers are there. Help you understand those answers and communicate those answers 
and put them into the real world so that you can have tangible results. That's the difference. A consultant will do it for you, which I will not. A coach will help you see that you can do it for yourself, which I will do. That's the difference. What's your perspective on that, Brother Binger? You know, uh, my perspective is pretty much the same. Um, the way I say it is this, you know, when you are hiring a consultant, nine out of 10, you are in crisis mode. Uh, you're looking desperately for a miracle walker. Somebody comes in and turn it around and fix it. You know, you're looking for a fixer. My job as a coach is to show the miracle worker in you <laughs> that, <laughs> that you are the miracle worker for your business. And which is true, no one else knows your business like you do. No one else is in the reason. For example, I had a client who I was speaking to, we had a session and he does, um, his business right now is zero revenues during COVID. And his business is, uh, you know, those professional mixers, uh, networking business mixers that, they yeah. do, you know, that is what he does. And right now there's no space for that. And, you know, it's in a very difficult period right now. Uh, so we got on the call. And so when I started, when we started our question and we began to really dig deep and he said, you know what, Benga, I was thinking about how did I ever get into selling drinks and alcohol and trying to make people feel good at a bar? I didn't even know how I got into that business. That was in my original idea. I started my business to be a culture consultant, a strategist, that I really want to build businesses around communities and culture. But for some reason, it just makes more money to get people into a bar and you make revenue on profit share of how many drinks they buy. And that was a very profitable business model that he relied on for several years. Doing that, he never spoke to a venture capital, venture capitalist. He never fleshed out his business investor pitch. And after that conversation, I said, you know what, don't really stress yourself that I can't speak the investor language. This same question, this same response you give me, I need you to write it down with the best of your ability. Don't flesh it out. I start a business to do write whatever you can. And he wrote it down. The last time I checked with him, he's had five investors meeting. Two of them has graduated to the third round of investment meeting. Possibility of investing into his business to get him to his original vision. I didn't do all of that. I didn't write a business plan. I asked him, why did you start this business in the first instance? That is what a coach would do. A consultant would write a business plan. Mm -hmm. a, a, a consultant was trying to research and find who the investors are. Um, a consultant would crunch the numbers and make the financial projections. That is not what a coach would do. Um, so it pretty much just saying the same thing in different perspective. You know, my last question is very much in the same trajectory. Benga, uh, Brother Gerald, I hear everything. I'm at the top of my game. 
why do I need another coach to tell me how to run my business <laughs> and to tell me how to run my life? I know you get this too. So, so you tell me, you tell me why I need you. <laughs> you know, um, why do I need a coach pretty much? I think that's what I'm getting at. Why do I need a coach? So this is the way I, I, I try to explain it, that um, you need a coach because there is no, if you're truly on the top of your game, there is no one at the top of their game that does not have the presence of a coach in their life. So part of the process to get on the top of your game is to have a coach with you. It is a strategy for athletics. It is a strategy for business. It is a strategy for every aspect of life. Also, if, as you rightly said, what got you here would not take you there. The very fact that you're here, you've been able to create a paradigm and a mindset that comes also with its own blind spots that you cannot see. It is not because I am more skillful or talented or successful than you. It's because I can create an environment. The coach creates an environment where you recognize your blind spots. Everyone always have a potential unless you're telling me you are the height of your potential. Everyone always have opportunity for potential to reach the next level of their potential. The reason that is not happening is because they have a blind spot. A coach helps them to recognize that blind spot so they can elevate to the next level of their potential. So that is the reason why you need a coach. The third thing I would say is I would tell them my own story that um, I started out a nonprofit and I didn't really have the articulation that what I'm really here to do is social entrepreneurship, that I am a social entrepreneur. I call myself a community organizer, a nonprofit leader. I didn't have the articulation for social entrepreneur. And I came to a point where I had a glass ceiling. I'm doing everything right, but I know this is not, there has to be more out here, but I couldn't articulate it. So when I found my first coach and I listened to our talk, I said, this woman gets it. I did everything possible to get a meeting with her. I told her I wanted, to be, I wanted to be my coach. We had a very first meeting. I told my story. A coach has an uncanny power of articulation they can hear through, they can see through, and they have the expertise to articulate what you don't even have the vocabulary for. And she told me, from your story, do you like to help people? I said, yes. Do you want to make money? I said, yes. You are a social entrepreneur. Never heard social entrepreneur. And that singular conversation redirected my professional trajectory probably one of the reasons why I'm on this call today, doing what I do, because I have the opportunity to have a coach come into my world and help me with vocabulary articulation to frame my life's purpose. 
your the words coming out of your mouth create the walls around you. A coach challenges the vocabulary that frames your identity. In doing so, you can elevate your life. Those are the things a coach will do for you. So yes, you're on the top of your game. That is actually the time you need a coach to be able to go to the nest and to be able to recognize the blind spot around you, to even find articulation for the things you don't even know how to articulate and to even help you to dig within to levels in yourself you've not yet even uncovered yet. A coach has the superpower to be able to bring that out of you. My final definition, who is a coach? Bob Pacto. A coach is someone who sees in you what you cannot see in yourself and has the power to bring it out of you. But Ajera, close us out with your perspective on I'm on the top of my game. Why do I need a coach? So that you can actually be on the top of the game. <laughs> yeah, basically, if you're at the top of your game, that means that you have taken yourself as far as you can go. And this goes back exactly to what we just, the previous convert, the previous talk. You know, as a coach, our job is to look at the whole situation. If you're in the game, you don't have a 360 degree view. You have about a 90 degree view. And if you turn your head, you may get 180, depending on how flexible your neck is. You can't turn it that far. You don't see what's behind you. You don't perfectly see what may be just 10 degrees, 100 degrees outside of your periphery because you got about a 90 degree angle. So if you are in the midst of something, it's impossible for you to see everything. You can't, you're in the middle of it, you're in it. So you need someone that has a perspective that can see, and that's why they put coaches in booths now. If you watch the NFL, you notice most of the coordinators sit way up high. Why is that? That is not because they're cold. It, it, it partly is because uh, you know it, it's not always good weather, but the thing is, is that they need a different perspective than where the players are. They need to see the whole field so that they can make adjustments and tell the players what is going on. The same thing happens in your life, in your business. You're in the middle of that relationship. All you see is I've done everything I said I could do and that's it. I don't know what else to say. And the moment you talk to somebody, the moment you have that third party there that says, wait, did you ask them this? Well, no. Well, what about this? Did you do this? Well, no. So what exactly is everything? Well, I did this, this, and this. You did three things, but you did everything. See, so what it is, is coaches are able to open you to the new perspectives and new perceptions that allow you to become more than who you thought you could become. Like I said before, coaches, make you believe you can do things that you never thought you would do on your own and you do it yourself anyway, but it's because of that encouragement. It's because of those new perspectives. It's because of those new perceptions that you go beyond where you ever thought you could. You jump higher than you ever thought you could. You make more money than you ever thought you could just because someone opens you up to new perspectives and new perceptions. 
And that allows you to do that next thing. So that is one reason why people need a coach. And the other thing I would say to somebody that says, why do I need you to coach me? Prove to me why I need you to coach me. I'm not your coach. <laughs> what? I'm not your coach. What do you mean? Because I don't have to prove to you why I'm your coach. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're looking for, then I'm not your coach. But if you ask me, how do coaches help? Or what could I do to help you? Or, you know, hey, here's a challenge I'm having. How could I maybe have a different perspective on this? We can have that conversation. But if your thing is to, why do I need you? You don't. (laughs) Your life is going to be just fine if Gerald DuBose isn't in it. (laughs) But if you're looking for that new perspective, if you are open to changing, because this is something that I want my fellow friends that are coaches to hear. You can't coach everybody. You are not everyone's coach. Because if you're the right coach for that person, they may walk off and say, man, I'd never work with anybody like you. But then they'd come back and say, man, you know what? Something you said really bothered me. Yeah, it bothered you because I struck a nerve. So now we can have a different conversation. But if it's at the point where they are like, prove it, there's nothing you can do to prove to somebody why you are that person prove it because they're at a phase it's like any other conversation if we're communicating on two different levels if you're at that defensive stage you aren't going to receive information right now anyway because your arms are crossed you're hey show me how how you're how 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 you're going to help me no i can't excellent Excellent. (laughs) well this has been a phenomenal conversation this, this has been amazing. Thank you, Brother Gerald, for this transformative, illuminating conversation. Any final thoughts about what you have coming up, um, how they can reach you, or any just you know programs you have, updates? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, that type of stuff. Okay. Uh, you can always, if you want to find me in the space that we like to call site, you can always find me on LinkedIn, just Gerald, G-E-R-A-L-D, DuBose, D-U-B-O, no I, I am he, D-U-B-O-S-E. Um, you can also find me at my website, www.thenewwealthorder.com, new wealth order, not new world order, thenewwealthorder.com. And uh, my book, The Formula for, for Success, you can find that on Amazon, um, Barnes Noble. You can find it everywhere. The Formula for, the number four, not the word for, the Formula for Success, the number four. That's how you can find me. And this was great, brother. It's always great getting a chance to talk to you, brother Binga. And uh, I, this was, it, it was so, so much fun and I I know and I hope people get something out of this conversation because I always get stuff out of talking to you. Absolutely and likewise. Thank you very much and catch up and see you once again. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into the Elevated Conversations podcast. And just a reminder, conversations create miracles. 
and you are only one conversation away from your next breakthrough. I will talk to you next time. Bye.